I don't normally read my purpose statement. You know, I was told that you always write out the, what you want, the purpose statement that you want when you build a sermon. I don't normally tell you what it is, but this time I, I'm going to read it to you. It says, it says, I want to give a sermon about what it really means to be a servant, to eliminate unworthy desires for a man wanting to be a servant or a woman. I want people to have a better understanding of the subject of serving or a servant. Okay. All right, Muhammad Ali, what was one of his favorite expressions, you know? The greatest, yes. I am the greatest. Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. But he'd often say, I am the greatest. And of course, he was a boxer, and you know, toward the end of his life, because he had gotten so many hits to the head, he had some serious health issues. And I'll never forget the movie I watched one time, Planet of the Apes. I forget which one it was, but they had taken, you know, the apes were civil, civilized. And, <laughs> but man, some men, people, had taken the apes to a boxing, one, one of this intelligent eight monkeys, whatever. They had taken him to a boxing match, and he's, he's, he's watching this, and he's shaking his head like, why? And I, maybe a tear went down as it rolled down his face. Like, why are these two guys beating each other up? And I, I really don't get it myself. Uh, some of that professional, um, I don't even know what you call it, where they get in the ring and really just beat, it, beat each other up. It's not, I'm not talking about boxing. I'm talking about some, what is that name? Yeah, yeah. I don't get it. I mean, it's like, why? How is this a sport? But to some people it is. But his expression, Muhammad Ali, was he was the greatest now, I think inside of us, there is a desire that we all have. We want to be great. We want to make a contribution. And that's, that's good. That's good. I was reading something about millennials. They want to make an impact. Same thing. Great. Make an impact. Nothing wrong with that. And although sometimes it, it can be ego-driven, and we can go about it the wrong way, the, the desire to be great. <clears throat> but... Jesus tells us how to be great. He gives us the recipe on how to be great, instructions on how to be great. It's in Matthew 20 and verse 26. Matthew 20 and verse 26. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time waiting for you to get there because I'm recording this and uh, I have to move on quickly as far as the video is concerned. So Matthew 20 and verse 26, However, it shall not be, be so among you, but whosoever desires to be great among you, let him be your servant. And whosoever desires, desires to be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom, ransom for many. Now, there's two groups of people in the world. Those who serve and those who want to be served. You know, the world's full of both. Well, actually, I think the world is full of more people that want to be served. Let's talk about this first group, those who want to be served. They might be viewed as, you know, privileged, entitled, I'm entitled, the world owes them a living. Maybe God owes them a living, you know, goes, owes them or something like that. 
And we could go through a list of people, illegal immigrants that come over here and get free health care. Not a citizen, but they get free health care. We could talk about the guy with his sign, will work for food. They all have one thing in common. They want to be served. Okay? They want someone to serve them. Uh, I had a friend, probably 20 years older than I am. Well, I don't know if I'd really call, call him a friend, but he lives down where I live. And, and, and he um, claims he's got back problems. And he doesn't have to work, gets money regularly sent to him. I see him out driving his car. I see him at restaurants. I see him splitting wood. You know, back problems. I mean, look, I'm a stonemason. I do some masonry work. I have had back problems before. But it just, it irks me. It really does irk me. Uh, you know, they said, I forget who said it was like, how, what percentage was it of Americans receiving something, some type of benefit from, was it 49%? Yeah. And they talked about the tipping point when it gets to over that, more toward 50 and 60%. What's going to happen to our nation when that occurs? When you have more people wanting to be served than willing to serve, that's the end of your nation. Okay? So it's important. You know, it's an important issue, I believe. Um, I once had a person, you know, I stopped at a place and I, and I said, this, I got out of my truck and this person said, I'm not a bum, but could you give me $5? No, could you loan me $5? And I did. <laughs> Graciously. It's an act of grace. You know, understand, it is an act of grace when you do it. But, you know, I'm always wondering, okay, when is he going to pay it back? He said, can I loan you? You know, can you loan me five? Is he going to hunt me down and pay that back? Answer, no. No. But, you know, there, there's something that has to be said about, you know, I know you can graciously help people. And it is an act of grace and people should be extremely thankful when either the government or a person graciously says, here. They ought to be the most thankful people in the world. But my point is, there's a, there's a dilemma here. When, you, when we give someone, if I pull out my wallet and I pull out a $100 bill, I don't have one. I got a $100 okay, bill and I give you a $100 bill for doing nothing. That's a violation of one of the most powerful biblical principles, the work ethic. You know, here, here's a 100 for doing nothing. You know, and, and again, I'm not saying you can't help people. That is an act of grace when people do help. But we do want to keep the work ethic in our mind of how things actually work. So there are people that want to be served. <clears throat> and then I want to talk about the second group of people, those who serve. And this group of people seem to be dying off. Those who are willing to serve. But whosoever desires to be great among you, let him be your servant. Now there's different uh, styles. Excuse me. All right, getting ahead of myself. My papers are sticking together here. Okay, I'm getting ready to mess that message up. Okay. Oh, wait. Okay, the way to greatness is to serve. The problem, I want to talk about the problem with being a servant. There's some serious problems here with being a servant that, that you need to be aware of. <laughs> Uh, number one, you need to count the cost when you set out to serve. There is an incredible cost when you set out 
to serve in any form or fashion that you, you're involved in. There is a cost. All right. Servants are doers. Servants are doers. At the end of the day, they accomplish much. Okay, characteristics of servants. Often servants are mission driven. This has got to be done. I've got to do this. It's like a mission. Often in the face of opposition, this has got to be done. Servants are doers. It's got to be done. Now, the greater you will be depends on the number of people that you serve. So, <laughs> if you want to be so, so great, just serve a few people. Okay? If you really want to be great, serve a large number of people. Very simplistic. The greater you will be depends on the number of people that you serve. Now, there's different methods of serving. Some people have the shotgun style of serving. These people are basically, they, they can't say no. And so they serve everybody. You know, they, they just can't, the, the reason they serve, and I'm not knocking these people, these are good people. But because they can't say no, they have sort of like the shotgun scattering type of service. And they end up serving in some form or fashion every person that comes into their life. Uh, I'll fix this, I'll go to your birthday, birthday party, I'll meet that deadline, I'll visit you, I'll go to that, I'll, yes, I'll do that seminar, yes, 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 and, and they serve, and, and not knocking these people, but that's just their style of serving. One of the reasons they do it so much is because they can't say no. <laughs> not a style of serving is what I call the pinpoint focus. These people have something they're wanting to do, and they serve in that area in a very focused way. Often these people are aloof to other people. They, uh, they come across as non-sociable. Sometimes they come across as uncaring uh, because they're so focused on the thing they want to do, that, thing, that service, that thing they're doing. Then people may look at them and say, well, that person's not concerned about others. But there's, again, they're focused on that pinpoint thing they want to do. I remember uh, study, uh, reading about Brian Wilson with the Beach Boys, and they said that he was a very non-sociable, just, he was like that, aloof, and he was so focused on his music that he would get behind the keyboard, and for eight hours a day, he would play this little riff until he, until he got it, until what was in his mind was on the keyboard. Eight hours. And to other people, he, he wasn't going out with the boys. He wasn't having fun. He wasn't drinking. He was just so focused on that thing that he's doing that he was looked at as, boy, you're, you're sort of weird, you know. That, all your time is spent on that thing. But that's, that's some people's style. It's the pinpoint focus of serving in a particular area. You know, sometimes we see a, a little bit of this with that that sincere focus in the life of Jesus. Let me just rehearse this story. Let me, let me, if you want to turn to it, it's Matthew 15 and verse 23, but I'm just going to go through it quickly here. Matthew 15 and verse 23. There's a woman who came to him and said, O Lord, son of David, my daughter is grievously vexed with a demon. You know, have mercy on me. But he did not answer her a word. Notice he just keeps on walking. You know, just, you know. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, she cries after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. You know, this woman could have looked at him and said, Boy, he's rude. You know, he just keeps right on walking. I'm not sent but the house, lost 
house of the lost sheep of Israel. And then, but this woman didn't give up. This woman had a great attitude and faith. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered her and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Now here's another opportunity for this woman to say, He just called me a dog. He insulted me. I'm out of here. And her daughter would have never been healed. But she respond, Jesus responds. Jesus answered people's requests depending on how they responded and how their faith was. You know, he could have just, Really, she was in control of this. Her attitude would determine everything. Her faith would determine everything, whether Jesus would intervene in her life or not. And she said, true, Lord, but even the dog, little dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. And this, this just, you know, this, wow, I haven't seen this kind of faith at all. And he healed her daughter. My point is, never underestimate the power of your faith that is revealed by your attitude. It's revealed by your attitude. You know, what is, what is your attitude towards serving? Now, let me tell you something. I often have had a bad attitude about serving. I get a bad attitude about sometimes about coming to church. I get a bad attitude about, is that really in the Bible? And I'm sometimes thinking, why am I doing this? You know, why? And, but attitude is everything. If you can keep a good attitude about serving, God will bless it. you got a rotten attitude, you might as well quit. You might as well just go ahead and quit. So this is, this is the hard lessons to learn here. So we have the pinpoint focus style of serving. We have the gunshot style, shotgun shot, a style of serving. All right, I want to look at the problem of being a servant. Here it is. Every person that you serve expects you to do your very best. How many of you, let me digress a little bit. How, how many of you have ever been in a restaurant? It doesn't have to be a restaurant. It could be any type of service thing. But how many of you have really have ever gotten upset at a restaurant because of either your food, the service, the slowness, the way they cooked it, and you just got upset and threw a big hissy fit, you know, because of your food or whatever it was, it really upset you about your food. Now, let me tell you the reason you got upset. Listen closely. You thought your needs are the most important in the world. You thought, above all others, my meal, my meal is the issue here. You thought more than anything else, my food is, in, is the important issue. You thought you were entitled to the very best. You didn't even realize that restaurant was at the same time serving 100 other people. <laughs> All expecting the exact same thing. This is the problem with serving. This is the problem with serving. Now, this reality is true, is, is, is with every, this, what I'm explaining, with every poor service you've ever gotten, it's true that you were expecting these things. So welcome to the world of being truly great. Every person 
you're going to serve thinks their needs are the most important in the world above all others more than anyone else's they are entitled to the very best and the more people you serve the tougher it gets because each one each individual is thinking this in their mind that they are the one they're number one and you better give me your very best <laughs> the problem with being a servant let's bring this home you are serving your wife you're serving your husband that's what a marriage is serving one another I come home and I expect something to eat you know, she's serving me okay <laughs> she expects me to fix the car I'm serving her mow the grass whatever that's what a marriage is you're serving one another then you're serving your children. Then you're serving maybe your elderly parents. Then you're serving your business, which may include a lot of people. If you own your own business or part owner or whatever, you're serving a lot of people who all expect your very best. Then you may be serving your church. You may be serving a ministry. Maybe you're ministering to the poor. Everyone expects your very best. Maybe you work at a daycare. Everyone, whatever it is, they all expect your very best. Each individual expects your very best. Everyone, everyone wants you to give your very best, give them your undivided attention, perform your very best, be on your best behavior. When you serve another person, they think they're the only ones that you're serving. This is the illusion. You know, you answer, I answer emails. That person's thinking, that person doesn't know I got 20 other e emails to answer. They think that one question is their biggie. They got it. You got to answer that. We, you know, you're doing a rock job, masonry work. The contractor doesn't realize you've got four other jobs going on at the same time. They don't know. They don't care. It's them. It's their issue. I am the most important. You try to help the poor, they might say, well, why can't you pay my $300 electric bill? They don't know you've got 20 other people who have a $500 electric bill that you're trying to pay. But they think they're the only ones. You're in a restaurant, you're complaining about the waitress that got 20 other tables I'm waiting on here. 20 other tables I'm trying to, 20 other people I'm trying to please here. The attitude between those who try to serve and those who are being served can be like day and night. Now those who serve hopefully try to do their best. I know they don't always. I, I've been in restaurants where I've gotten upset and I really, not a person in there was doing, was even trying to do their very best. But for the most part, those who serve hopefully are trying to do their very best. And those who are being served expect perfection. <laughs> Can I get an amen? <laughs> I think the foot washing teaches us a valuable lesson. 
One, it teaches us to serve another person. Now, I don't have a problem with that. But it also teaches us that the person serving us doesn't have to be perfect. You know, we don't kick the basin of water up. Yeah, you didn't do that right. And water spills everywhere. You're not washing my feet right. You know, we, we, we don't expect that person to do it perfectly. And it teaches us a valuable lesson. A valuable lesson. The fact that they're trying to serve should be enough. As I get older, I think there is hopefully some humility that I'm growing into where I don't expect people that serve to be perfect. You know, I, recently I got insurance, switched my insurance, homeowner's insurance, and the lady I spoke to, I called her three weeks ago and called her back because it's getting ready to expire. I need insurance now because now the deadline. And she said, oh, you know, I dropped the ball. I dropped the ball. I, I, and she apologized. But, I, you know, I don't have a, you know, hey, you're busy. You made a mistake. No big deal. Don't worry about it. You know, I just, I don't, it doesn't bother me like it used to. It doesn't bother me. Serving. Count the cost. Count the cost. I mean, think about it. Do I really want to expand my business? <laughs> Do I really want to expand my ministry? What does that mean? It just means more people who are expecting you to do your very best. You know, count the cost. Now, serving others can be frustrating and it can lead to, de to depression. <laughs> uh, I think of Jesus. Jesus said, Father, take this cup from me. If there's any other way to work it out, take it away. Someone just sent me an email recently about a question, did Jesus ever get depressed? Well, if he didn't, you know, if he never got depressed, then something's wrong. I mean, you know, I read depression here when he says, look, take this cup from me. Tempted in all areas, like we are, without sin. I think you could get depressed. You know, sometimes you can get overwhelmed by serving others. Overwhelmed. It's too, much, it's too much coming upon you. It's too much of a burden. It's too much. It's too much. Now, I think for us who serve, we must learn to maintain a balance in life. You see, people that serve others, be it a business, be it a ministry, be it a job, be it a housewife, whatever you're, you're doing, do it People that serve others do it because there is purpose and value in what they're doing. That's the reason we serve. There's purpose and value in it. And it's very hard to break away from that. Often as a servant, you will think, I must always do it, be doing things that have purpose and value. If it doesn't have purpose and value, why am I doing it? I've struggled with this all my life. And I'll tell you what I've learned. I've learned it's important to take a break and do things that are totally meaningless. You know, some of your most fulfilling, joyous things you will do in life are totally meaningless. I built a Stargate in my garage. It was the most meaningless thing I've ever done in my life. Big old round thing, the artwork is beautiful. I got lights, I got a fog machine on it. It looks like you can step right through the thing. 
a stargate. I would come home and I, it was like an obsession. I loved it. I loved every moment, every letter, everything I did. I just loved it. And it was the most meaningless thing I've ever done. And it brought me the, some of the greatest joy, satisfaction, contentment that I've experienced in a long time. I think you need a break from that. You know, my, my mother-in-law paints rocks. Rocks. I mean, they're beautiful. They're like little rock houses. That She'll take a rock and look at the shape of it. She may make it a, a pig, a deer, um, just, and they're beautiful. But it's the most meaningless thing I've ever seen a person do in my life. But she loves it. She, it, you know, it, 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 she loves it. Teresa built a fairy garden. Uh, fairy, 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 what do you call that thing? Yeah. Again, you know, and I got into doing that. I thought, we need to do, we need to do one with this waterfall, a pool, of, and it's the most meaningless thing. It has no meaning. It does not affect other people. It doesn't make an impact. No one's going to be impressed by it. No one's going to see it. No one cares. But yeah, you, it, it's, you know, like I said, some of them, and this has taken me probably 54 years to get this one, that you don't always have to have value and purpose in the things that you do. It's good to have that. But you need to take a break from time to time and do those things. Again, some of the most fulfilling, joyous things you will do will be totally meaningless. And don't, don't give yourself a guilt trip. Don't give yourself a guilt trip. Jesus Christ is the greatest servant because we all believed Jesus Christ was the greatest servant because we all believed that we were entitled to life. Think about this. Let's take a look at this Isaiah 52 and verse 13. We normally read this at the Passover, and I want to go through it again because it talks about Christ as a servant, the greatest servant of all, Jesus Christ. Isaiah 52 and verse 13. I'm going to read through several chapters here. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. Notice that. My servant. As many were astonished at thee, his visage was so marred more than any other man, and his form more than the sons of men. So shall he sprinkle many nations. The king shall shut their mouths at him. For that which he had not been told them shall they see. And that which they have not heard shall they consider. Who has believed, verse, uh, chapter Isaiah 53 and verse 1, Who has believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He, he has no form or comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Christ was just an ordinary looking person. No beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our grief and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. All sins were laid on him. He was oppressed, 
And he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence, neither was deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you shall make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his day, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied by his, by his knowledge. Shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquity. Verse 12, Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great. There's the word. The great the greatest servant of all. And he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he has poured out his soul into death and he was numbered with the transgressors and he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Jesus was a servant of the people. So here, here we are. In a way, we all say, we've all said, Above all others, my needs are the most important. We are entitled to the very best. We are privileged. We are entitled, we're saying this to Jesus, and we are, we are entitled to life. And believe it or not, Jesus looks at us and says, yes, you are entitled to life. He could have said no, but he said yes. We demanded the very best from Christ, and Christ came through with absolute perfection. The greatest servant of all, Christ Jesus. So to summarize this message, number one, being a servant. Count the cost. There is an incredible cost. Two, servants are doers. Three, the greater you will be depends on the number of people that you serve. How many people, think about this, how many people did Christ serve? Every person that has ever been and who will ever come in the future, he served all of humanity. Four, every person you are going to serve thinks their needs are the most important in the world. Above all others, more than anything else, they're going to think they are entitled to the very best, every person you serve. Five, you will never be able to please everyone with your service because you're not perfect. Therefore, don't expect perfection from others all the time. Six, serving others can be frustrating. Sometimes you can lead to depression. Seven, balance your service out with meaningless things from time to time. Keep that balance. Eight, look to Jesus Christ as the greatest example of a true servant.